about that right now you don't want to say like what's called pizza party hello oh okay hello and welcome to cold pizza party i'm lubitsa serafov here with my longtime lover (laughs) i'm drunk comfortable (laughs) so do you want to talk about something you make me feel like i'm talking to terry gross (laughs) Because you have headphones on and your voice is very soft when you're talking (laughs) in the mic, and I don't know, I just it makes me feel like I'm talking to Terry Gross. No, that sounds good. (laughs) I expect you to say something about your sweaty balls. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I was thinking we'd talk about Unreal. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's very good season finale. Yeah. Oh yeah, the season finale was really good. Yeah. It's the one with, yeah, the last one. Yeah. All right. Good discussion. We agree. <laughs> um, okay. So I think we're going to call this podcast Cold Pizza Party. And uh, you don't gonna... have to stare directly into my face since we're only six <laughs> inches apart. It's uncomfortable. It's hard for me not to look at you when I talk to you. It would be weird if I just stared off into the corner. Um, I'm going to look at you. You can avoid eye contact with me. (laughs) Let's just do what makes us comfortable. I think that you're definitely going to be able to hear the ice jingling. (laughs) I think it'd be good to get some room sound. Oh, sure. Sure. Make the people feel like we're uh, like they're sharing a G&T with us. Yeah. Okay. So, this is Cold Pizza Party. We're going to talk about Unreal. We're going to talk about millennials, the concept of it, and particularly the Bill Maher um, interview with that oh, woman. We should have looked up her name. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll look up her name by the time we talk about it. We'll dub it in. Yeah, It'll that's a like good a idea. <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> um, what should our third topic be? We could just talk about adopting dogs. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should just have a random third topic. A it wild doesn't card. sound very. I don't know if I download a podcast by somebody who went to the pound and wants to <laughs> <laughs> talk about the dog they played with. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could we could talk pet stories. Should you adopt from them or not? Are you a hero saving pets from tiny cages or? Are you feeding into a larger system that's really part of creating the problem? All right. Well, I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there. Yeah. Uh, but so what happened? This on is the... not going to be aired. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so what happened on the last episode of Unreal? Uh, that's a good question. How did it start? Let's, Let's see. A recap. Well, how, what, so we can kind of talk about it a little bit play by play. The recap, that's our job. That's what we'll do. Well, like do at the end of the, oh summary? yeah, I do. Like the end of the second to last episode uh, is the main, what's the main character's name? Rachel. Rachel. And what's the main dude's name? The main character of the fake show in Unreal, the bachelor. I know he's called the suitor. Uh, oh, the suitor. I thought his name was Jeremy or is that her boyfriend? No, that's her, that's All right. her like puppy dog. So Rachel's boyfriend that I can't imagine anybody likes that character. His name is Jeremy. And uh, Lubitz is looking up the name of who the the suitor, his character is. 
it's funny when you watch a TV show, you don't have to know their names. <laughs> like you hear their names and you know who they're referring to. And you don't necessarily have to be able to recall it from memory to watch that TV show. That's something I've been noticing lately. But so Rachel is the producer of the fake Bachelor series on Unreal. And she slept with the Bachelor. And they were going to have this love moment where they ran away together. That's what happened in the second to last episode. And that's where we start. I noticed it was very Casablanca like that. Um, oh, yeah opening scene taking the cab in the rain showing up at the private airplane yeah they had a plane waiting for them yeah and it was and like Casablanca the love story that you sort of maybe imagine unfolding yeah. doesn't quite materialize which I thought was quite interesting yeah um I don't want to recap too His much anyway oh that's my name I His name is my name we did not notice that. <laughs> <laughs> um also he plays um a a douche with dreads in the in-betweeners movie that was really good yeah which was amazing actually i feel like give that guy an emmy that is a stretch of a performance there to go from douchey sort of hipster know-it-all eco-tourist and in-betweeners which i kind of totally bought him as that he really seemed like a white privileged assholey dude and then to see him in this, well, I guess he was also a white privileged asshole dude, but he did not have dreads. And <laughs> that well, made all the difference. You didn't know he was going to be a douche until this episode, for sure. Um, I feel like the main thing you have to know about this episode is when uh, he, does he bail on her at the plane? He doesn't go yeah, to the plane? He is or at the doesn't. plane, but he tells her, like, oh yeah, we can't run away together or whatever. Yeah, because it's a ridiculous idea anyway. That's true. Um, but also because Quinn got to him, right? He is um, about to leave in the beginning. And then, um, like, he's at the mansion. He's packed his stuff up. He's left behind Anna, the sort of porcelain doll Yeah, like the looking, winner yeah, of the Yeah, the wifey, as they call her, um, contestant. And uh, so he, she, they've just had a sleepover. He's just fucked her. And then he totally leaves her. Um, in the middle of the night, packs his shit and is ready to run off with Rachel. And simultaneously, we see Rachel is um, packing some of her shit up from Jeremy's house where she's been staying the last couple days. And she leaves him a note that says, I don't deserve you, which he opens up bare chested in the bed. (laughs) And uh, anyway, we see that and he he sighs. (sighs) Ah. Oh, Rachel. <laughs> it's basically the most selfish thing you can say to someone when you're breaking up with them. Totally. It's like, it's not about you. It's all it's, about it's me. me. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm breaking up with you, I'm thinking about me. <laughs> and also, I'm so obsessed with myself. I can't allow myself to be like happy or enjoy a relationship, which is yeah. kind of really fucked up. Not how they meant it to be taken, I think. But, but definitely how it actually how is. How it comes across. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he... Adam bails on her at the plane. They talk about it at some point, and she pretends that she's okay with it. Yeah, but really, it's pretty clear that Quinn, who is having uh, troubles in her own personal relationship, obviously like threatened him or somehow convinced him that this was a terrible idea, that he was going to lose the... Um, 
basically all the good PR that he's been working for, right? Because he's supposed to be a bad boy who's isolated himself from his family and um, fucked up his business dealings. And this is like his rehabilitation. Yeah, it's like supposed to be his redemption. And so I think... I, we find out more, I guess, of this later, but basically it, it's pretty clear that, that Quinn's obviously convinced him that this is a bad move for him personally. Mm-hmm. And so therefore he kind of changes tack. Quinn being the producer of The oh, Bachelor yeah, knockoff. Yes. Like the the major big wig producer. Yeah. But then, so that's just to set up what the key scene of the beginning of the episode is when uh, they're about to shoot like the final episode. They're in a church. Um, there's uh, or they have the wedding planned already, right? This is after Adam has chosen towards the beginning of the episode who the final winner of The Bachelor is, and he chooses Anna, the person he had just slept with, with the wayfish, um, woman who had lost her father and stuff. Uh, so they're at the church where the wedding is planned, and Anna's already in her wedding dress. And Rachel takes Adam into a confessional to talk about their drama. And this, all of us, it was kind of a strange episode in the context of the rest of the series. Um, Because he seemed, his character totally, I wouldn't say changed, but like revealed himself to be a total douche because of the way he was handling. A total bitch, if you will. They kind of called him a selfish bitch or basically that at one point. Um but I, th- I thought what was interesting was that so much of the series deals with this idea of is love a real thing or is it something that's sold to us through um, fairy tales and reality TV shows that are basically trying to mimic fairy tales and, you know, ideals of love that don't really exist, right? And then we have something that seems like a real true love story, this very slow simmering developing relationship between Rachel and Adam that's very much behind the scenes but that also seems to be kind of real right they you know she tells him about her dream of saving AIDS babies which doesn't seem like a fully thought out dream yeah. but but you know okay I, that's part of the point. I think I think it is part of the point actually and then he later uses it to uh that aids babies literally phrase comes up again when he's trying to lure anna yeah. the uh, contestant into sort of falling in love with him right and then we see that um relationship at the very beginning of the last episode uh sort of completely demolished and tarnished um this sort of p- potentially yeah potentially sort of real fairy tale uh, ending that yeah. would be them running off together you know leaving the show to pursue their real true love and that is completely demolished by the fake uh re- reality fairy tale show that they're involved with by the producer of that show and by the reality of their contracts with that show and so i think it's kind of interesting that um like sort of, I mean, not to get too political, but, you know, the sort of like capitalism and money and this machine of capitalism intrudes on potentially the the true fairy tale of the show, right? Yeah. Um, and then we well, have... Well, I thought it was cool how they're handling that at the beginning of the episode where most shows may have taken the full episode to draw out Yes. That conflict between Adam and Rachel Absolutely. where he abandons her. 
they got it out of the way at the very beginning. And I think over this whole episode, they do a really good job with time management, like cutting straight to the chase, I guess, and making things happen and seeing the consequences rather than drawing it out as long as possible. Yeah, totally. Which is why I love that as soon as we've like completely demolished this relationship that they've literally been building to all season between Adam and Rachel. Which I never liked. <laughs> I know. I didn't like it either. But, you know, I will say that, especially in the beginning, I saw it from the very first episode. I knew what they were doing. Yeah, it was like a did. romantic comedy. They were, you know, obviously driving us towards this relationship. I knew. I've seen too many romantic comedies to not feel when I'm being manipulated that way. But what I thought was really interesting was after they completely demolish in the first few minutes of this finale episode, um, the uh, potential for that relationship, then um, they immediately have Rachel flip around and go into full-on bitch producer mode. And she pitches Rachel this idea, right, that um, we're going to have the best season finale ever in that we're going to pitch it as the first time the suitor, quote-unquote, the bachelor, obviously, um, is going to have a live wedding, except we're totally going to fuck this wedding up and we're totally going to fuck him up. Yeah, exactly. And and basically for ratings. So I just I really kind of like the parallel that um the ultimately the potential for profit, right? Uh kills the actual fairy tale relationship of the of the show Unreal and also kills the fairy tale relationship in The Suitor on you know on the show Unreal. That in both cases sort of um, you know, this ultimate drive for profit and and money yeah. is is what kills any kind of potential for love, relationships, human connection, anything like that. I actually think it's like kind of more radical message than I would have expected on a Lifetime show. <laughs> Although I don't know that they necessarily meant it that way 100%. Yeah. And that's so that's kind of the climax of the episode when she's talking to Adam in the confessional. Exactly. Yeah. And then she um, gets Adam to say, how they had planned to meet, how they had had sex, how they had had this relationship going. How he was obviously going to leave Anna for her. Right. How Anna never obviously meant anything to him. Yeah, and Rachel played it up as like the crazy lover. She started screaming at him. Crying. Crying, um, like I thought you loved me sort of stuff. And then he... Which was shocking as an audience member because... That's Even though character. you know she cares about him, yeah, her character does not seem like the type of girl who would lose it like that. So it's like, oh my gosh, she must like him more than we thought. Only then to... Yeah, for a split second, I was like, this is weird. This doesn't make sense. Me too, But then Adam storms off and she goes to the other side of the confessional because there's always two sides, the confessor and the priest. Mm-hmm. And in the confessor's box or the priest's box, I guess, depending how you look at it, is Anna in her wedding gown. So Rachel, this has been a ploy to reveal what's been going on to Anna, the winner of the bachelor contest. Um, so this is how they're going to burn down the season finale. Right. And then at the same time, or basically around the same time, I guess that this is happening with Rachel, 
we have sort of two parallels of Rachel's character in the show. We have Madison, the young, you know, like assistant intern, whatever type figure, PA. I don't know exactly what she is. Supposed to be from the Midwest, from Ohio, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. She's very innocent. She literally has her hair in pigtails. Uh, But more importantly, she's obviously supposed to be a young Rachel, right? Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, we have Quinn, the mega bitch you know, whatever, producer, director, creator, everything, you know, showrunner type person um, who's obviously supposed to be, it's sort of like the ghost of Rachel past and the ghost of Rachel future, you know? Um, And uh, so we have actually this this kind of interesting, I think, interaction and interplay between these two uh, potential or whatever parallel Rachels um, where... uh, Quinn has been involved with the show creators Chet for like eight years or something. Uh, Chet is like this asshole, drug using, womanizing, total kind of Hollywood playboy asshole yeah. kind of guy. I think he's supposed to be likable, though. He's kind he, of he is kind of likable. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I could imagine wanting to like maybe smoke a J with him or something. Yeah. And it would be kind of cool. Like he's produced yeah. like The Bachelor and shit. Or like that would be like, interesting. Or he's like maybe someone you meet in college who doesn't try very hard and totally. takes for money and doesn't totally. have to try very hard. Totally, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the uh, Chet and Quinn overcome various obstacles I'm not going to get into, but throughout the show to ultimately end up together. And he's proposed to her and they are seemingly truly in love. It's another kind of potential fairy tale romance, right, where they overcome various obstacles to ultimately end up um, experiencing true love together. Um, and right after he's proposed to Quinn, um, we see him getting a blowjob from Madison, basically, uh, who is, again, the uh, very innocent Rachel uh, version. Um, the ghost of Rachel past. Yeah, the assistant, PA, whatever. And um, Quinn ends up walking in on it, seeing it, not saying anything, not you know, not blowing up or anything, just walking out. But she's obviously very pissed. She decides that she's going to get revenge by... Um, going to like the network guy. What I don't know exactly what is. I don't. I don't know what Hollywood titles are, but <laughs> whatever. Like, like the network guy that's above Chet. Exactly. That basically is the connector of the show to the network, and um, she's gonna pitch him ideas without Chet. What's your point about? What's your point about this uh, section with Chet and uh, Quinn? Because I feel like. It's not that significant of a storyline, ultimately. Well, I don't know if it's that significant of a storyline, although I think one, I think it's significant. Okay. It did have me, like, rooting for Quinn. Yeah, me too, obviously. I (laughs) mean, yeah, it was kind of cool in that way. Um, I think it parallels the story is what I'm saying that we see with. Um, I feel like I said parallel like a million times when I'm talking just now, uh, with um, Adam and Rachel, right? That again, there's this potential for true love and it's tarnished by the show that is peddling an ideal of true love, a fairy tale story of true love. Um, and on top of that, and this, it's a, um, what I want to, well, the reason I kind of wanted to talk about it is because I think you can't understand the finale, the ultimate kind of scene I think we want to talk about 
without understanding what both of these women have gone through, how both of these women have been let down by the men in their lives, by their jobs, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and, and so I think it's important to realize that at the same time that Rachel has this grandiose idea she's going to run off, that fails. Then she has this grandiose idea about the TV show, which she's executing pretty well with, you know, using Anna, using Adam, um, to have this explosive finale. Quinn is trying to pitch these new ideas to the network. That's failing. She's, you know, cut off by the uh, show's psychologist who has her own desires and um, motives. motives. Like, yeah. uh, Madison, who has her own motives. And Chet, who um, they go to, these two women, um, and, and sort of she gets, you know... Uh, Sideswiped, like she's completely un unaware that these people are colluding against her, and all of a sudden, uh, these two women, Rachel and Quinn, who are obviously, like I say, so connected, um, but who throughout the show have really been butting heads and have sort of been trying to dominate one another in certain ways or pull away from me i think i think quinn's been trying to dominate rachel and i think rachel's been trying to pull away from quinn all of a sudden in this moment we have them um connect not just connecting but uh overlapping in their motives and desires to bring down the show to embarrass chet to embarrass the network executive to embarrass adam yeah and uh as a result you know, we know that this, you know, promised explosive finale ending is really, truly, you know, yeah. going to deliver because finally, actually, in a, in a way, it's exciting because for the first time in the entire season, we have these two incredibly strong female characters that are producers that are very um, adept at getting their way. Uh, they're finally working together. And that's oh, yeah. actually really exciting to me. Oh, yeah. and, and I knew that was that it was going to like have a big payoff and, yeah. and that was exciting in, in the show and i was like waiting for that in the episode i felt like in this episode they were really hitting their stride on unreal Definitely. i guess that maybe that's what it was that um rachel and quinn were, were acting in concert for the first time i hadn't thought about that before oh yeah but for really a quick summary what happens after um after rachel reveals to anna what was going on um they kind of give anna the opportunity to walk out on the ceremony so they um start the wedding oh here comes the bride we're playing the here comes the bride music the bride's not coming out what's going on and then anna's uh walking up the stairs leaving the chapel in this like really beautiful environment with all these flowers and plants spilling over into this stone walkway and they have all the, they have these cameras following her and she's like giving a monologue about how she's not gonna i don't she even says, remember what she said really well I, I really enjoyed this scene. I, I think, did too. I think in part because I liked, uh, you know, we're not supposed to necessarily identify with these quote unquote bimbos that are part of the show. Although I think they do a good job making them relatable, but we're not really supposed to identify with them. But if you're going to identify with one, it's supposed yeah. to be Anna. Yeah. And or maybe Faith. Is that her name? Grace. Grace. Oh, no, I think Faith. Wait, are you talking about the one that was his, like, lesbian friend? Lesbian, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think that was Faith. She was great. She was I great, loved yeah. her. I hope that girl gets to, like, come back somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how exactly that would work out, but she was so good. I loved her. Um, okay, but so uh, with with what we're talking about, um, 
you know, we see Adam, we see his family, his grandma, everybody's waiting. They've oh, given yeah. him. His grandma this, was so cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she. It turns out she's like a total slut, but yeah. in the best way. <laughs> uh, but she gives him this like antique ring and an, a fancy ring box that he's supposed to present Anna with, which he does, and he proposes like and a shakes giant up. Square yellow diamond, I think. And like in like a, basically like a teapot of a. <laughs> Of like a box. I mean, the box was fancier than the ring, practically. But anyway, um, he is like waiting for Anna. It becomes clear that she's not coming. And then they, the cameras pan over to Anna, who's running off. And she says she realized that he cheated on her. And she thought that at some point, you know, she could have accepted that and even oh, given okay. him for that. But what she couldn't forgive him for, uh, uh, the type of man she couldn't be with, was someone who's stupid. And oh, obviously yeah, Adam cool. is stupid. <laughs> and I cool. love that. That was amazing. That was such like a, honestly, it was a very feminist moment, I thought. That they were like, this guy's kind of a whorish bitch. Yeah, like, that was cool, actually, yeah. I, I think the show was, this episode, not the show, but this episode was a little bit man-hating in a really cool way, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because every male character turned out to be God, an asshole. Yeah. Like, for, uh, I think the whole series, they were stringing along Adam as kind of a good guy. Totally. And here they show that he's a, a whore, yeah. basically, a, a slut, a man yeah. slut. And I love what Quinn said to her, too. You know, um, at first I sort of felt really bad for Rachel that – um, you know, she seems to be in this shitty job she doesn't like, which, you know, is certainly relatable. And um, she wants to get away from it. And she has this opportunity to fall in love and run off. And it seems really beautiful to a certain extent. And um, I was sort of really sad for her. Like, oh, my gosh, can you imagine if you met someone who could afford you your dreams and where you know you guys can run off together and away from your jobs and there's really no consequences because he's so fucking wealthy and stuff that you know you can live out a fantasy really together you know but I thought what Quinn said to her uh at that point was really interesting or or towards the end whenever they kind of talk about this which was um you know I say you know you think that I stopped you from your true love happy ending, but I saved you from basically waking up from a blackout like eight days later after you've run off together on some beach in Tahiti and realizing you've made the worst choice of your life as he loses interest in you and starts hitting on the waitress or whoever the next girl is that's going to catch his attention, you know? And at first I was like, oh, well, that's kind of harsh. But as you sort of think about who Adam has been throughout this whole process, I think that's like a really actually fair character assessment. Yeah, that was the real meat of the episode is this conflict between Rachel and Quinn. Yeah, and uh, because really wanted to get at. when they're in the confessional, Adam, you know, reveals unknowingly to Rachel that Quinn told me such and such. And that's right. partly what made me. Oh, that that she had had this mental illness oh, problem right, last right. season. That's part of her backstory is that in a previous season of Everlasting, she freaked out and went AWOL. They don't like really drove a Ferrari details. into a something or rather. I don't know. Yeah, they don't something really. Something about a Ferrari or some kind of. They have car. like left the specifics open, which is cool. But basically, Quinn told Adam that um, and he brought it up to make it seem like <laughs> that's the reason he didn't go with her because he can't trust her, probably. But that's the real meat of the episode where the real meaning is, is in this relationship between Quinn and Rachel and... I think there's a cool 
way that Quinn becomes a mother figure for Rachel um, as a parallel to her own mom. I I noticed this weird thing where the actor, the actress that plays Rachel's real mom has so much plastic surgery. It's unnerving. <laughs> I don't know if they were going for this, but uh, Quinn, the actress who plays her, has this kind of cool scar above her lip mm. that um, comes down across her lips. I thought that parallel between somebody who has had so much plastic surgery to cover up and somebody who just bears what's real was really 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 revealing and i'm not sure it's something that was even intentional but i think that sums up the difference between rachel's actual mom and quinn and and who rachel wants to be sort of you know her or who she is right but she and her mom is a psychologist who like tries to sort of medicate her and take control of her mental illness and diagnose her with all these different things yeah there's this weird scene in a previous episode where they're uh, talking about Rachel's dad and how her mom has him so medicated that he's totally out of it oh, right, and right. her mom's like that's good for him that's what he needs and Rachel's like you've turned him to a zombie basically yeah totally so to see um this scene where where she's kind of again talking to possibly her future self or sort of certainly a mother figure both wrapped into one character um was really great especially when they eventually address kind of the central um you know massive issue in the entire series which was that a contestant on um the show the suitor had committed suicide and um after they've sort of discussed uh the fact that it wasn't a good idea for rachel to run away with adam rachel kind of is laying back and she says so uh we killed someone didn't we and uh, Quinn says, yeah, let's not do that again. And, you know, it's very casual and it doesn't sound good out of context. But I thought that was really powerful, yeah. actually. I really liked that bit because there obviously was that third character who um, secretly took away that woman's meds. Right, right. What's her name? Mary, who killed herself? Yes. Um, she took away Mary's meds. I forget what that producer's name was. Um. It's a name that I actually really like. I can't remember. But uh, so that was happening. But also Rachel and Quinn brought her abuser, her abusive ex-husband right. back. Right. So they at first thought she committed suicide because we brought this abusive guy back. Right. Then they found out that this third person had removed her meds. And in that episode, it seemed like they were blaming her completely. And like they were... Even from the audience's perspective, like they were absolved. Yeah, like I thought that was the show's point of view was now, oh, actually, you don't have to feel any moral quandary about Rachel and Quinn because somebody else takes all the blame. So in the final episode for them to bring it back and acknowledge that they were partly at fault for that, I really appreciated that because it felt like um, something I really turned me off about Unreal. Not so much that I didn't like it. I liked it the whole way through. But it was unsettling to me a little bit that the characters could do that and blame it on somebody else. Yeah, like, I guess I just had higher expectations for it. And then it was cool that at the end they met those expectations all of a sudden after episodes of not even talking about that issue. That made me happy. Which is kind of sometimes how things go in real life, you know? You kind of try to suppress things for a while and then they sort of bubble up or you just finally can't not deal with them anymore, you know? Um, 
so yeah, I thought that was really interesting that they um, finally dealt with the fact that not just that they had technically killed someone, but also I think in that way they were also addressing um, how much they manipulate people all the time and um, like for their own benefit and again for profit, right, for ratings, for uh, whatever for the show is what they say but I mean what they really mean is for money right you know um, and you know actually before we ever watched this uh, show I, um, I was interested in watching it because I had read an interview with the show's creator and she had said that um, in college they had been asked how much they would sell their soul for and she had said like I don't know 100 million dollars or some you know crazy number like that but then when she was actually working on the bachelor she realized like she was selling her soul for so much less just for like a bonus of a thousand dollars or whatever she was willing to manipulate people and do a lot of different things that she hadn't expected that she would be willing to do and so i think in so many ways this show has really uh driven home that point which is great i think that's like such an interesting exploration of um money and and how it motivates us and uh what it can do to sort of your morality you know she said that she saw herself as a really moral person um before she started working for the show and then to um see how quickly your morality can be completely bent uh is is so interesting there's um an interesting i wouldn't even call it a parallel storyline because it's not really a storyline but over the course of the episode This might be the only episode where you see Quinn and Rachel walking together West Wing style, (laughs) like Rachel right at Quinn's hip and talking quick fire back and forth. And most of those scenes are about what show they plan to do next. And they had started out with this idea that we're going to have a show that's just about women like competing for a job. And that's all it is, is them talking about work and working hard and being role models. But then they... Quinn had the idea that it should involve like sleeping with the boss because that's really trendy. (laughs) And then after a while they were like, no, that's not even going to work. Women, nobody wants to see women like succeed at work or be good at their job. Yeah. It was some, at some point they were like, Oh, what it could be was that it's like the suitor. They're going to date him, but also he's going to offer them a job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, cause it's so sexy and in right now to sleep with the boss. Yeah. Yeah. And, then they shot that idea down and they're like, well, maybe next season on Everlasting, we can make it slightly better by doing this. And then they shot that down. And by the end, they're like, well, I guess we're going to do that same thing we always do. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. What do you want to do tonight, Pinky? Same thing <laughs> we do every night, Brain, try to take over the world or whatever, yeah. however that goes. Yeah. yeah, it's it's that was a cool. Yeah. But what you were saying made me think of that. Because it's interesting how the show toes this line between like trying to make it in the world on your own and all and the impact that you have on the world, whether it's positive or negative. And other characters are always struggling with that, it seems like. Uh, like in this episode, even that, that one gay producer, mm. they kept out of the episode. And I think that's because he's the only male character that in the end isn't revealed as a total asshole or douche or naive or um taking advantage of people well he no he does take advantage of people but he's right on that line between taking advantage 
surviving, doing good, doing bad. Um, like when that producer who took away the meds was trying to confide in him, he was like, don't even tell me. <laughs> yeah, that was you great. think that um, you want someone closer together. Yeah, that was cool. He said, you think that's going to bring us closer together. But like, that's the kind of secret that tears you apart. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was really great. Yeah, he's a good character. Yeah, no, I, I, I did really like him. And I think part of the reason they kept him 100% out of the episode is because I think they want to bring him back for next season, obviously. But also, he didn't deserve a com- comeuppance yeah, the totally. way so many other characters in the this men. show All did. All the other men. Even Ex- exactly. It's, yeah. It was weird. Jeremy was so yeah, weird so this episode. Yeah, let's get into this. So they built him up as this good guy all along, and it like, was just so not irritating. Not just a good guy, like a boring, saccharine, like puppy dog. Oh, like, what? Like, <laughs> she's supposed to, like, want to fuck him, but, like, I don't know how. Like, he makes my <laughs> pussy soft for lack of a better, like. Retreat back into your yeah, body. Yeah. Uh, and then in this episode, he takes this. Uh, and it really irritated me. I think it was the beginning of this this episode or the end of the last one where she was talking about how he's too good for her, things like that. I f- uh, yeah. fucking hate that. Yeah, me too. Me <laughs> it's too. so irritating. But people do latch on to those narratives in real life Definitely. to justify their own behavior. Uh, but so in this episode, he pretends this was, this was the only scene that for me they should have totally cut out. I agree. Is when he goes down on one knee in front of everybody they work with to make them everyone think that he's proposing to her and then he's like as if as if i'd ever propose to you (laughs) that was let me pull a line straight from clueless (laughs) basically but that is how he like reached into his pocket and then pulled out an empty hand he's like i have nothing for you i don't love you anymore yeah he's like how dumb do you think i am Well, I don't know, because you started this scene. I didn't get down on one knee. You got down on one knee. What do you mean? How dumb do I think you are? Also, there were a million opportunities for him to confront her directly, to confront Adam, hell, to confront Quinn or anybody else. But instead, he just kept his mouth shut and kept going. And I thought they were trying to say, like, he doesn't care if she cheated on him or whatever, as long as they're going to, like, start this new life together. Because, frankly, that's how the character comes off is yeah. like he's so blindly in love with her he just doesn't care what she's doing or who yeah. else she's fucking i mean at one point she literally fucks adam and then goes to jeremy and is like wait i have to take a shower yeah. and then he like <laughs> crawls into the shower with her and she's like no really i gotta wash my pussy because there's some <laughs> other guys coming here before i fuck you like so uh you know i wasn't expecting a lot from him but this was such a not just uncomfortable but like kind of um unbelievable turn of character for him well that scene was completely unbelievable well and sure. when it go- where it goes from there right where he shows up to her mother's house and you know her mother as we mentioned is a psychologist who's very controlling of rachel and um constantly trying to diagnose her and medicate her and medicating her father like which they mention is like completely unethical which seems like yeah, it would be. It must be. <laughs> um and then he shows up and is like um Rachel's very sick and he seems very concerned but you know we all know obviously this is bullshit because in London you know he had threatened that um not only was he like pissed and he wasn't going to like take this shit anymore but he wasn't going to let her do this to 
anybody else. Oh, God. Yeah. Rachel, I'm going to make sure you don't do this to anybody else. I wish they would just drop his character for sure. I know, me too. <laughs> it's terrible. I never liked him from I the beginning. I hope next season they're like, Jeremy who? What? Uh, what? Who said what to yeah. her mother? Like, we don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. That would be much better. Earlier today, I wanted to say something about this show in relation to, like, how to get away with murder. Oh, I remember. It's really cool at the end. There's, like, sort of an unspoken resolution in Rachel's own mind. Because she knows Quinn ruined it for her and Adam. And she brings it up with Quinn. And that's like you said when Quinn's like, oh, you would just go on the beach, get super blasted, wake up on the beach together, and he's already moving on eight days later. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rachel kind of didn't have a comeback or let it drop. And then they moved on to talking about something else. And it's so cool how they resolved that conflict through silence like that. That's such a cool storytelling technique. If it were how to get away with murder, she would not bring it up, leave it as or anything. There's so many pulpy shows like that. And I love how to get away I with murder. Say, <laughs> I don't want to trash it, but there's so many shows that it's just driven by plot like that. And they'll latch onto and any dialogue. And dialogue, yeah. And they'll latch on to any scrap of plot or dialogue they can to ex- for exposition to have something to write about, basically. Mm-hmm. So if it were one of those shows, Rachel would have held on to it and she'd be secretly plotting against yep. Quinn yep. and she'd be looking for an opportunity. That's not what I want to see. I want to see her and Quinn get along. And that's what happens at the end, even after this. It's cool how Quinn, as a mother figure, you know, Rachel disagrees with what she did but recognizes that she had the best intentions ultimately. And then she says to Quinn, Quinn, I think, she, I think it's Rachel who says to Quinn, I could be wrong. Maybe it's the other way around, but I believe it's Rachel who says to Quinn, you know, I love you. Oh yeah, I think so. And yeah, it is. No, it is. Yeah. And then Quinn says to her, like after a pause, yeah. yeah, I love you too. You yeah. know, and it's so great and fantastic. And I think quite feminist, but Ultimately, just I think the perfect ending for this show that these two women who are so strong and so adept at getting their way and have these kind of like potentially really awesome and powerful men in their lives, you know, whether it's this powerful, basically Prince Charming figure that has all the money and connections in the world for Rachel. He's a lord of something, I think. Right. Or Chet, who for Quinn is basically the Prince Charming figure with, again, all these connections in the field that she's most interested in. You know, um, in both cases, she, both of these women um, have these, it's not it's not like they're spinsters who are saying I love you to each other because they couldn't be with anybody else. No, they had multiple options for love, basically. Yeah. Uh, but instead, they end up together because they're ultimately very driven. They know that they're not this isn't the last guy they're going to have the option of being with. And they're not settling. And also, they're so driven that it kind of fucks them up. You know, and it 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 leaves them with one another. And again, to the extent that uh, Quinn and Rachel are basically ghosts of one another or parallels of one another or, or however you want to say it. It's the, I think, perfect ending to season one. I mean, really perfect ending. Yeah, it was good. There's this whole um, thrust where Quinn is trying to make Rachel 
be exactly like her. Totally. And Rachel says she doesn't want I to mean, be. I mean, she's literally like, I'm going to start my own uh, production company. Oh, yeah. I need you to be not just my number two or assistant. I want you to be my partner. Yeah. I mean, she's trying to literally make Rachel into herself. Yeah. And Rachel, by contrast, is trying to pull away. And she's saying, no, Jeremy and I, before she's even willing to admit the uh, relationship with Adam to herself, She's saying, no, no, Jeremy and I, we're going to move. Jeremy can work from wherever. I'm going to figure out what I want to do. And she's, you know, Quinn is like mocking her a little bit. But but that's that's how, you know, Quinn is her mother figure, because that's that's like the archetypal relationship between parent and child, child and parent is you don't want to be like them. You can't help it. You're going to become like them. Yeah. And that's exactly what the path that Rachel is going down and she kind of recognizes it at the end as maybe it's not that bad. And, and yeah, exactly. Which is why in the end them, you know, the daughter, especially I think saying to the mother sort of, I, you know, I love you and the mother saying it back, I think is really, really powerful. And, um, again, like I said, just, I think a really, really perfect ending. I mean, I have to say, but for the part where Mary Jeff jumped off the building, which was just, I don't know, there's something about it that was too pulpy. It was too yeah. lifetime. That was yeah, the was. only part of it that felt really he- heavy-handed, yeah. lifetime, uh, soapy. Yeah, like I'm not saying they should get rid of that plot point, but they could have handled it better. Yeah, Same with so Jeremy too. fake proposing. Like, yeah, they there could were a have, couple. He could have just told her off in private. It would have achieved the same ends and been just more believable. And more classy, frankly, which you kind of expected for from the show, I would say, not even from either character, but from the show, I sort of thought a big to do about this weird proposal aspect. I don't know. Maybe they thought they were doing something with that, but it just didn't. It really fell flat for me. Um, But but for those two points, I mean, this show, man, what a good show. Are you kidding me? Like. What a good show. We like follow so few, I feel like, narrative driven, plot driven um, shows like this. I mean, what? How to Get Away with Murder. We like how to think of We this. like How to Get Away with Murder. You watch Vampire Diaries and Pretty Little Liars. I, I'm done with Vampire Diaries now that uh, What's Her <laughs> Face, the main girl, is gone. Oh, really? Yeah, they put her in some weird, like, Cinderella. Uh, I mean, a Sleeping Beauty, like, state. Ew. Yeah, yeah. It's like, because <laughs> she left the show, because she was dating the older vampire, and then they broke up. Yeah, and so she was like, I'm done with this show. And, <laughs> and she's like the central character, so they're like, oh, uh, well, we can't kill her. So she's in this like weird Sleeping Beauty state where she'll never get old. That's so stupid. Yeah, but anyway, I'm done with that yeah. show. That really disappointed me, so I'm done with that show. But yeah, I watched like yeah. Pretty Little Liars and... Well, yeah, how to get, we like how to get, yeah. get away with murder. But we've noticed something with... Like, there's so many... Basically every drama TV show now hinges exclusively on plot twists and dialogue and dialogue so much fucking talking so much talking show me show me <laughs> you know yeah. i don't need to hear descriptions and i mean you know i paint sometimes when i'm watching tv shows because i don't have to watch right yeah. like because i can just listen because everything is expressed and actually the one place where i noticed that wasn't true was when i was rewatching charmed weirdly enough i like rewatched so many seasons of charmed a few years ago 
Uh, and it, I would actually have to look up to see what was happening because there is actually action in Charmed, which frankly, for a show driven by women, whew, what a revelation to have action uh, and not just talking, talking, talking. Uh, and then the only other one that I can kind of see that with is How to Get Away with Murder. But even that show is so dialogue driven. Yeah, it's all it's all plot twists and. And talking. Yeah. and talking. I mean, it's just the way things develop is through yeah. people telling each other things, through people talking to one another. It's not by showing me. Yeah. It, this is a visual medium. Show me, yeah. you know? Yeah. Even, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we watched some old Felicity episodes. Mm. I think it was just different back then. Or we were watching, what's that show with the orphan kids? <laughs> Party of Five. Mm. Uh, back then, not everything had to be related through dialogue so strictly as it does in even how to get away with murder a show that we like i'm just i don't i'm sick of characters yelling at each other you can keep it inside and just have a certain face that lets me know you're pissed you, then you don't have to go through all those histrionics yeah totally. but this show unreal just avoids all that in a way that i really like well, I think part of it is they show you they show you the girl taking whatever her the producer's name was, even taking the meds away and pulling out probiotic powder and putting it into Mary's whatever anti bipolar pill. I forget what she had. Was yeah. she bipolar? I, I think, think so. that's yeah. what it oh, was. Yeah, she was. Yeah. So she has some kind of antidepressant, anti whatever pills, and you know they show her. Splitting the pills, dumping it out, putting in the probiotic. No one has to say anything for episodes about that because they showed it to us instead of telling us through having her confess to someone because she just can't stand it anymore or whatever, which is, I think, too often how TV shows would deal with something like that today. Yeah, this is why True Blood become unbearable to watch in the last few seasons. I know. Every. Everything was. I mean, there's so much to complain about. Constantly summarizing. They're constantly like, hey, Sheriff, here's what happened in the last scene. You know, <laughs> like there was a but fairy and a witch. Like, great. There's this trend now that drama shows have to latch on to every possible um, moment for tension or conflict and make as much of it as possible, make as much hay out of it as possible, the way True Blood does or how to get away with murder. Some shows like How to Get Away with Murder or um, Pretty Little Liars or presumably Scandal, which we don't watch, or maybe House of Cards can get away with that. And they can manage this extremely knotted plot path, but it gets really exhausting. And I would much rather show watch shows that are more straightforward, like Unreal. Yeah, and I think the other thing with Unreal that's that's just like so refreshing and really great. I mean, I love Pretty Little Liars and I do think it has its own feminist moments, but uh, sometimes it can be just so boring and it's like, well, this isn't who tedious. A is. I would say tedious. tedious. That's perfect. Yes. Yes. Tedious. It's just, it's like a chore sometimes to watch it because it's like, oh, A isn't this person who we thought it was, and but it might not be this person either, and you got to keep watching forever to find out who it is, you know? And um, with um, 
with Unreal, like you were saying, they don't waste a ton of time. We didn't have to watch over an entire dragged out, boring ass episode where, um, you know, Adam uh, has to explain to Rachel why they can't be together. And we have to see Quinn tell him exactly why they can't be together. And then we have to see him trying to figure out the lie that he's going to tell to Rachel about why they can't be together. And then we have to see Rachel dealing with it. And then we have to see the consequences for Jeremy. You know, they they did all of that in like, what, three, five minutes before the ep- the finale began, you know? They covered all of that. And I just really appreciate them, one, thinking that their viewers are smart enough to figure it out, that we don't need everything spelled out for us. And also, again, not having everything be completely dialogue-driven. If Quinn catches Adam at the mansion before he's about to go run off with Rachel, you know, we can figure out what she's going to say to him. We don't need to hear every single word of it, yeah, right? They did do that, didn't they? And... And so it's stuff like that that I think this show does really well that just makes it so much more sophisticated and better than a lot of shows. Like I say, that I like, like Pretty Little Liars. I'm still watching, you know. But, yeah, it's just so much better. They let a lot of that stuff simmer in the background. Yes. It helps that in Unreal, they have other things to do. Like, one of the great reasons to watch Unreal is to understand how reality TV shows are produced on I'm not obviously it's not a documentary but you can learn the way producers jobs work you can learn that they have incentives for doing certain things cash incentives yeah and there's great details like hosing down the brick oh yeah it's so good <laughs> yeah it's full it's worth watching just to catch the details about how reality tv shows are produced so that gives them something to do besides just constantly pitting one character against another, betraying each other, tossing Mm -hmm. loyalties out. I'm not really interested in seeing that sort of thing. Uh, Like, it works in How to Get Away with Murder because it's really a good show. But um, I don't want every show to be like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, with that, let's wrap up. (laughs) It's like 55 minutes. That's okay. Yeah, we can cut out a little bit if we want to. Okay. <laughs> that's a good place to wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll come up with a better ending. A sign off. Yeah.